Friday, July 3rd, 2020. What's up, everyone? I'm Paul Clark. What's up, Paul? Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, we're talking with Christian Shaw, the founder of the environmental awareness organization Plastic Tide. He's focused on reducing the amount of plastic waste that ends up in the ocean. I recorded this conversation earlier in the week before spending three days on the North Umpqua, the beautiful, serene North Umpqua in southern Oregon. Well, I have returned from the wilderness, and I'm excited to share this conversation. As we're entering the 4th of July weekend here in the United States, where we celebrate our freedom, let's put keeping trash out of the waters as one of our priorities. Let's check that box off. We have our food, we have our drinks, we have our sunscreen, we have our friends. Let's make sure our plan is to include keeping our waste out of the water. Without further ado, let's have that conversation with Christian Shaw. All right. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Really excited to be here, and um, it sounds like you are somewhere spectacular. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm checking in from Santa Cruz, California, so I've been hunkered down here since the, uh, the pandemic began, pretty much. So interesting enough, with the, the global pandemic, which is a health crisis, the, the the media the the attention that we've been focused on now has gone from healthcare and social equity and in many ways overshadowing what a lot of us have been focused on over the last few years which is the environmental crisis one of those environmental crises includes a heavy amount of plastic waste in the oceans so in 2014 you started an organization called Plastic Tides. Can you describe what that is and how you got about doing it? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Uh, thanks so much for having me on, Paul. And uh, yeah, it's really great to be here. Uh, we started Plastic Tides back in 2014. Uh, and our mission is to inspire and catalyze action toward a plastic-free future through adventure, education, and youth empowerment. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, we got our start right out of college. Uh, you know, we actually, our team met at a National Geographic Young Explorers grant workshop in the fall of 2012. And that's where we sort of started formulating our ideas. And by the time we were graduating, we were ready to, uh, you know, combine our passion for adventure and the outdoors, you know, with a desire to, you know, protect the planet and, um, you know, be involved with sustainability. So, uh, that came together as a 10-day self-supported stand-up paddleboard expedition around the island of Bermuda, uh, wherein we were actually uh, filming uh, for an educational web series and doing research on ocean plastics uh, while we camped from beach to beach around the island. Uh, and we were producing our web series uh, live while we were on the water, uh, releasing our episodes and then our trip culminated with a dozen school visits around the island. Uh, and the whole idea was to combine adventure and science to create a fun, engaging platform uh, to go into schools, address students, get them excited, you know, get them fired up, show them that 
science isn't just lab coats and, you know, goggles and, uh, you know, that actually you could be out there on the ocean, you know, collecting samples and, and making a, a real impact. Um, you know, and so that first trip was just, it was phenomenal. It was, I mean, challenging in so many ways that it's hard to even describe, you know, it was a miracle that, that we pulled it off. Um, but we did, and we got a ton of support and, you know, basically what, what, uh, began as sort of just a one-off project, you know, something that we thought could, you know, help us, you know, lead to new opportunities down the road, um, you know, became, you know, something that I'm still doing now six years later. And you were raised on the, the, the East Coast in upstate New York. You graduated from Cornell University. You got your, your taste for uh, ocean uh, experiences for the most part in the Carolinas, and now you live in, in Santa Cruz. The oceans are meaningful to you, and you, you've surfed, you've kited, you've, 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 stood, uh, you've stood on paddle boards to do these sub-support trips. What is the ocean to you? For me, the ocean is, it's my inspiration, it's my playground, it's my meditation, it's, it is, it provides so much in my life that it's, it's hard to describe really. I mean, I, I go in the ocean almost every day and I definitely see the ocean every single day uh, here in Santa Cruz, which is something that I'm grateful for every day as well. And I think actually having grown up uh, landlocked, provides one a unique perspective that I think it might be hard to achieve if you actually grew up on the ocean because, you know, I, um, you know, I got my start, you know, my fell in love with the ocean, essentially, uh, you know, going to the Carolinas, Topsail Island, you know, from the year I was born, uh, you know, every single year of my life for at least a week or two. Um, but then it was, you know, back to Ithaca and, you know, there's, the lake and tons of awesome stuff to do, but, you know, never the same as, you know, that week that I would basically immerse myself in the ocean for 16 hours a day. Growing up with that, you know, thinking about that time, you know, throughout the entire year um, has, I think, afforded me a unique perspective to be able to really appreciate now, you know, living and being able to, you know, play and protect the ocean every day here in Santa Cruz a lot more. And I'm happy that you have play still at the, the first part of that because, I mean, you have, to, you have to be inspired to do the work that you do. And, you know, there, there is an ecological disaster taking place in the oceans and waterways around the planet. Uh, and, and plastics is certainly one huge part of it. I don't know if you've ever watched the, the, the movie The Graduate, but there's, a, there's that critical scene in it when the, the person who just, the young man who just graduated from college is kind of walking in a daze wondering what to do. And someone at his graduation party interrupts him and says, one word of advice, plastics. Plastics is the wave of the future. Uh, it's going to improve humanity tenfold cheap packaging, lightweight, uh, all of that kind of stuff. But we've seen since the, the 60s uh, a huge catastrophe with plastic toxins in our water. If you were to, to walk through your graduation party now and, and, and someone was to give you advice for the future, where does plastics lie? What can we do to, to reduce our dependency on 
plastic, which is so much a part of our culture and the world culture. I mean, it, everything's packaged in plastic. Yeah, it is, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's a really challenging time that we live in for consumers. And, you know, um, just to, um, you know, bring current events uh, to bear for a moment, uh, particularly right now, uh, it's especially challenging because we've seen, you know, uh, a digression in a lot of the just day-to-day single-use plastics and things because of COVID and, mm-hmm. you know, all of the things that come with that. And so, um, you know, but, but that aside, the advice that I would give is most simply vote with your dollars wherever possible. So, yeah, so, you know, voting for voting for the environment, you know, in the ballot box, of course, is awesome, um, you know, but but when I say vote with your dollars, I mean, you know, every day, every day as you go through your life, you're making decisions, you know, about what to buy and what to support. And the reality is, is that the money that you spend is is essentially your vote for the future that you want to live in. And. Uh, and I think if you can, as a consumer, come to bear with that reality and, and let that guide your decisions, um, you know, that's the easiest way, you know, and of course that comes with educating yourself and, you know, there's all these other components, but at the end of the day, every time we spend our money on something, we're saying to that company, we want more. And you know, and obviously there are necessities and everyone has a budget and, you know, there's all these constraints that we live within, but there are also opportunities to, you know, vote for the things that you really believe in. And so whether that's, you know, spending a little bit more for food at the local farmer's market or buying the ecological surf wax, or there's, you know, there's, there's a myriad of, of examples of things that you can do. And, the great thing is that also as you kind of go down this journey of, you know, becoming more environmentally aware, you know, through your shopping habits and, um, you know, just generally, you know, around your life, you know, you'll also find that there are many ways to save money. Um, you know, almost as many ways to save money as, you know, things that you end up spending more for. And, and the other thing that, you know, I found throughout my life is that, uh, you know, I, I like to buy things that are made well, that I plan on having for a long time. You know, I, I keep things forever, you know, I don't even want to get rid of my, you know, my girlfriend pretty much makes me get rid of most of my clothes when she thinks they're getting too ratty or whatever, you know, it's like those jeans got to (laughs) go. And, uh, you know, so, and, you know, I think, I think, what I've found without fail is that, you know, if you spend the extra money for the things that are made well, even if you have to save up or wait longer, you know, that that thing is going to serve you well throughout its life. And, you know, it's going to be the right choice. And, uh, you know, so I think kind of that coupled with, you know, that mentality around those smaller day-to-day products can arm a consumer for everyday life without getting bogged down too heavily and like, the details of all these things that you could be keeping track of or try to keep track of. I, I agree with that. And 
earlier in the year, I was actually working a content creation gig for a company that was starting up. It, it, it unfortunately folded because of COVID, but it was a reusable bottle platform that was app-based where you would have this bottle, you could reuse it, recycle it, uh, and, and, and track its use and thus uh, it, its carbon footprint. But with COVID, you know, plastic became the salvation again. You know, plastic uh, bottles, you can use recycled bags at a grocery store. You can't go to a coffee shop and use your own mug. So all of these things of like reuse, reusing your own containers uh, kind of are on hold right now. And so that, that, that business model folded. But during that time I was doing content and doing research, I was blown away how, how at the consumer level where we're voting with our dollars, we're so used, at least in the United States, so used to convenience. Like, oh, I'm thirsty right now, so I'm going to buy a container that I'm just going to toss when I'm done drinking it. Uh, oh, I'm a little hungry right now, so I'm going to get you know, this food that's served in a container that I just throw in the trash. The amount of trash that we use just based on, or the, the amount of trash we dispose of simply based on our, our, our mild hungers and thirst at the moment that we just toss you know my thirst is gone but that plastic bottle will be you know living in who knows where for how long it's it's pretty amazing and so of course the idea of you know just bringing your own water bottle and filling that up we're bringing your own you know bag at a grocery store those are are, are simple things and uh working with this program and being uh, aware of it i've really focused on those three tangibles that you talk as pillars uh you know reusing as much of the packaging as possible uh reducing as much of your waste as possible and you re you really reduce waste by reusing your original package. And then there's recycling. Some people say that recycling is broken. The, the main companies that buy recycling, plastic recycling, are not doing it anymore. China doesn't want our plastic waste. It's cheaper for them to, to make new products as opposed to, to recycling them. So uh, some people say the recycling part is broken. So we really have to focus, I guess, on that reduce and reuse element of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, uh, it's like you said, it's something that has been affected by the COVID situation. And so, you know, there's like a number of things where you're just not able to do it anymore. And it's going to, it is going to be a challenge for people to retrain themselves and kind of get that momentum back up. But there are also really great solutions. Um, for instance, one of our, our uh, best uh, partners, uh, Plastic Tides, um, and one of our, our longest time partners is uh, Pathwater. And I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with that with this company, but they uh, essentially are making a uh, you know, pre-filled aluminum water bottle that you can buy off the shelf at Safeway or 7-Eleven, uh, you know, any convenience store. And their, their distribution is actually really solid now. Uh, and basically recognizing the reality that even in a world where everybody is walking around with their water bottle and their their reusable coffee mug and their straw and, and their, all their things, there's there's the need to be able to walk into a 7-Eleven and buy a pre-filled bottle of water off of the shelf is never going to go away in our lifetime or any lifetime that I can imagine. And so 
Um, basically, you know, filling that need with an aluminum bottle that is educating the consumer and promoting the idea of reusability while also being more environmentally friendly from the recycling aspect because, you know, aluminum is infinitely recyclable, uh, you know, so basically, you know, allowing the consumer to then lower that barrier of entry where they can buy this bottle and if they drink it and they read the bottle and they cycle it, you know, after one time, fine, but maybe that they notice something, you know, and the next time they get it and they fill it back up once or, or, you know, maybe they get it and they fill it up five times and recycle it, you know, but regardless of what happens, it's basically a transition product that meets the consumer where they're at, provides a path to a different type of behavior. A different type of behavior. Yes. Uh, and, uh, I've, I've certainly started carrying my Hydroflask style water bottles with me and I just fill those up as often as I can But I've found that doing the van life thing and, and traveling around where I used to just go into a place and fill up my my water bottles uh, They're not allowing that like I can't just hand my water bottle to a, a coffee shop and say fill this up or whatever So it's 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 an interesting thing this this duality of, of, of public health with the the reuse ethos that I was used to um, I even fa- I've found in the last few days on the road trip that I'm on right now through Southern Oregon, I've bought plastic water bottles. Oh my gosh, just to, so I could fill up my other water bottles. Well, yeah, you know, and that's I mean, it's that's the reality. Like, and it, and it and it happens, you know. And kind of, you know, that's a great segue actually, just to jump back, uh, you know, quickly to the idea of voting with your dollars, and also the idea that you know, one of the most important things is just being real with yourself about it and, you know, accepting that you're not always going to be able to make that decision that you want to make. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I find myself at the fast food drive through now and then. And yeah, I think about it. I think, yeah, I am not supporting the future I want to live in when I'm making that decision. And I sit with that, like at the end of the day, I'm still doing it. And I think that's, you know, almost as important as, you know, making the changes is just being honest with yourself, accepting imperfection. Accept the imperfection. That's that's a really great way of, of doing it. And I think uh, accepting the, the imperfections allow us to not be too stressed about certain things. But we also have to, to remind ourselves that, like, we have to be, you know, to be stewards, environmental stewards. You have to practice certain things, just like paddling, just like skateboarding, just like running your run wheel. You have to have time and miles to do it well. And just that one little bit of effort of bringing a reusable bottle with you to the beach will save that you, or will start to, to inform a behavior for, for reusing, um, bringing the groceries, the grocery bag to, to go shopping, you know, little things like that. I don't think a, a plastic bag, buying a plastic bag at a grocery store is going to be saving the planet, but your, your, your informed habits will. If you could educate a citizenry about, you know, a habit of reuse, we're going to reduce a lot of waste. Absolutely. You know, and I think that same idea, you know, kind of plays into the possibility for this sort of larger shift in society that, you know, I think is possible, you know, and I think that's, for instance, uh, you could apply the same 
um, thinking to beach cleanups. You know, beach cleanups are something that we haven't done really as an organization um, very consistently in a while, but it's something that we used to do a lot more of. And it was always kind of this thing where it's like, you're looking at it, you're like, well, you know, what is really the impact of this beach cleanup year? You know, like what, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, stacked up against all the trash that's going into the ocean on a daily basis, like what are we really accomplishing? And, uh, you know, when you look at the, you know, pound for pound, really not much, but the impact is in the community and, you know, the effect that it has on the people involved and the way that it essentially um, cultivates this feeling of ownership and connection with the issue. And in the same way that bringing your water bottle or your reusable coffee mug, you know, does. And then that, you know, in turn will inform other decisions and things throughout your life and also your interactions with the people around you, you know? So it's like the butterfly mm -hmm. effect of, you know, one action. It's interesting. Our, our actions help define who we are okay i'm a river paddleboarder but if you actually reuse your water bottles all of a sudden you're becoming a, a left-leaning liberal <laughs> it, it's really interesting and now it's like okay if you wear a mask you're a left-leaning liberal and now it's it, it really becomes politicized if you say no i don't want a straw with my you know whatever they're like oh nah, 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 nah. you know there's there, there's definitely some comments it's 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 really interesting what do you say to the people who don't know the ocean let's say you're in rural missouri and you're having the option of a straw or no straw, and you're like, well, this straw is not going to kill a turtle. How do you convince that 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 silent majority, as they like to be called, in middle America who could really care less about the health of the ocean? They don't see that it affects them directly. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And, you know, what I would say is I think there's a, there's a simple answer and there's, you know, sort of a, a more in-depth answer. And you know, at the surface, it's, you know, basically we all live on the same planet and the health of the oceans is the health of the planet. And so no matter where you are in, you know, middle of Missouri or, you know, the Bahamas, uh, if you want to breathe clean air uh, and see the sunshine every day, well, you'd better hope for a living, healthy, clean ocean. You know, that's, you know, the sort of simplest way to put it. Um, and, you know, that and and whether you use a plastic straw or not, that little action does have an impact on that greater outcome. Um, you know, so um, but to sort of go a little bit deeper on it, plastic tides, we focus on plastic pollution as our front facing issue. Um, however, you know, for us, actually, things like sustainable agriculture and renewable energy and these bigger issues around sustainability are more important and potentially even more interesting in some ways. Uh, however, plastics provide a much greater platform and starting point to approach someone from middle America or people who, you know, don't, you know, aren't going to want to hear about the wind turbines or the permaculture project you know, or even remotely connect to that, but they can connect to this plastic issue. And it turns out that plastic is connected to all of it, you know, like basically industrial agriculture system is basically exists on plastics in a sense, like putting plastics, you know, in the form of fertilizers, like it's a, it's not a plastic, but it's basically the same kind of thing, you know, into the soil and, 
you know, it, it's, it's all connected. And that's why it's such a challenging issue because it's the way the whole world runs basically is off of fossil fuels. And then the byproducts from the refineries, you know, are oftentimes used to create these other things like the plastic products. And that's why, you know, they just built two huge new plants down in near New Orleans, you know, with the refineries down there. And, you know, the plastic companies have these projections to increase their productions really significantly based off of that. You know, it's like, it's all connected. Uh, and then when you look at the agriculture system, you know, basically, you know, in place of, you know, soil husbandry, we are, you know, essentially creating like a wasteland where we take, you know, chemicals out of, we take oil out of the earth, we make it into, you know, fertilizer. And then that's what we put on the soil. And, you know, if you, if you boil it down, like if you boil it down, like that's just like, you know, we're eating, you know, our oil reserves, basically, if you think about it, like, and that's just not going to see us through into the future. And so, you know, we're really excited about things like, you know, regenerative agriculture and forest, you know, agriculture systems. And so kind of circling back to the original question, you know, to your person in Missouri or the Midwest, well, also, you know, you know, maybe corn or wheat or whatever is like the way of life and the thing that's ingrained here. But, you know, if you're, if you're able to expand your imagination a little bit, you could also envision a future where you actually live in like a lush, beautiful forested, you know, landscape that provides, you know, food and, you know, other things, you know, that um, provide for daily needs. So for instance, uh, my partner, my girlfriend has a body care line, Anato, and everything is made from um, perennial plants or tree crops, you know, so, um, and sort of the ethos behind the business is educating and supporting, you know, sustainable, regenerative, you know, forest-based agriculture through body care and connecting people physically to that, you know, and connecting consumers to, you know, imagine that reality, essentially. Imagine that reality. And uh, imagining reality is kind of what marketing is all about. So your your website is image-based with videos. It's really focusing on, on, on motivating people to uh, know more about what's happening with the oceans and what they could do to vote for their dollars and, you know, be a part of a, a different habit of sustainability. But marketing is a big part of that. And how do you make environmental catastrophe sexy enough that people are wanting to, to continue looking at your videos of, of, of a, a sick ocean and, and do something about it? Like I say, like uh, marketing is all about it has to be sexy, it has to be violent, and it has to be entertaining. You have to laugh, you have to be interested in the drama, and uh, of course you have to be titillated by it. Environmental catastrophe, it really has none of those things. So how, how do you get people's attention with an environmental crisis? Yeah, you know, 100%. You know, I, I completely agree with you on the entertainment front and, and the way that, you know, environmental issues sort of are traditionally portrayed. And, and that's actually at the core of, you know, the inspiration for Plastic Tides in, you know, basically going and, 
you know, combining paddleboarding, which was, you know, you could say arguably the fastest growing sport in the world at the time, you know, with adventure, you know, to then tie in this issue of plastic pollution, which at, at the time, you know, we found, you know, I, I had my eyes open really to the issue sitting in my oceanography class and looking at slides from five gyres website. And, you know, basically it was like, Whoa, like, Holy smokes. Like this exists, like, you know, and the way that they, you know, um, visual, you know, visual presented it and stuff, you know, made it, you know, just kind of shocking. And, um, and, but at the same time, you know, at that, at that time when we started, there were, you know, it was Algalita, Five Gyres, you know, Plastic Pollution Coalition, Story of Stuff, and, you know, maybe a couple other, you know, bigger nonprofits, but people weren't really talking about this issue. And, you know, it wasn't sexy. And, you know, and so that's, that's the approach that we came at it with. And, you know, I think it's, it's been pretty, pretty successful. And, you know, uh, you know, we certainly um, can't take too much credit, you know, here as, as, uh, you know, there's a lot of collective efforts, but, you know, it's really, um, encouraging to see that, you know, since we've become involved in this space, it has really come into the forefront of the conversation in society. And, you know, I think there was a big turning point when, uh, in I think 2017, when Sky News and the BBC teamed up and made plastic pollution kind of their focus for the year, you know, and from there you saw National Geographic and, you know, all these other big players kind of follow suit. And, um, yeah, it's just been... Essentially giving rise to Plastic Tides as well in your organization. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's been a sea change for sure around the issue. And, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, and now, you know, it's, it's just, there's so many, so many people working, um, you know, on this issue that it's, it's remarkable. Uh, to see the progress that the accelerated progress that's been made in the past couple of years. And, you know, sure, there's going to be some setbacks from COVID, but, um, you know, I think that, you know, deep down the, the, sh- the shift is being made in society and we're going to bounce back from, from that for sure. Good. Hopefully the, the habits that we were creating before COVID, the, the reuse and reduce uh, habits uh, will remain in us as we come into a 4th of July weekend. And not to sound, not to sound like that guy, but probably the 4th of July is one of my least favorite holidays. Any of the summer holidays, Labor Day, Memorial Day, when people just like get out, get after it, bring all their stuff and just throw it on the ground. And it, you know, just fill those trash cans. And in Bend, where where I live, the Fourth of July in particular, is just, man, I sound like an old person here. I already know what it sounds like, but you have a bunch of people, young and old, riding bikes and walking through the parks, wearing American flags, yelling "Freedom!" I'm a freedom to be an idiot. Here's my stuff that I'm just gonna leave behind. Like the the river, the parks, the streets after a Fourth of July weekend are just trashed can't stand it yeah you know uh sorry go ahead uh, no no i'm just i'm just waxing poetic of what the, the this next weekend has to offer yeah. not poetic well you know it's the re- it's the reality though it's it's the sad reality of a certain demographic of society that you know is disconnected from you know their impact on the world around them really and that's 
and it's it's sad to see and it's and it's really unfortunate because you know in the same vein you want to see people out enjoying themselves being patriotic celebrating you know doing all these things that we you know appreciate as americans as a society you know but at the same time you know uh, I think anyone, if you if you really sit them down and ask them straight up, would say to you that uh, bringing all your stuff to the beach and then leaving your trash is not American, you know, and the beach or the park or wherever it is, you know, and uh, and it's it's really shocking to me to see that people do behave in that way. And I don't really understand what underlies it. And, you know, we try and do as much as we can to approach the issue from a positive perspective and kind of, you know, bring people along because, um, you know, if you feed into the negativity, you can get jaded and, and, uh, and, you know, yeah, it's, it's just not really, it's not an effective way to communicate around the issue, you know, or keep yourself inspired either. Um, but, you know, it's, as you said, it's impossible to not notice, uh, that kind of stuff. Well, one of your videos on your website uh, I watched earlier today in preparation for this podcast, it was uh, focusing on what people bring to the beach. You went to you, to a beach in Florida and were asking people what they bring to the beach. And you interlined it with like sexy bikinis and like, oh, I want to watch the titillating far- part of it. Like, oh, like, cool, what's going on here? These young people are enjoying the beach. And then, y- then you interpose with like, plastic in in the ocean and the beach after the party it's like ah ah uh and but the, the asking like what people bring to the beach made me like take notice something and i'm often asked like what do i bring to the river like safety gear and overnight gear and things like that and i think you we always miss one box yes i bring my water yes i bring my calories yes i bring my sunscreen or whatever but one thing we don't put on that list is how are we going to throw that stuff away? How are we going to dispose of it? What's our strategy not to leave it on the beach? We're going to bring it there. Yes, this is the checkoff box. But how are we not going to leave it there is something I think we have to ask. I don't know if I worded that very correctly. But that's something I'm thinking about. We should have a list of how are we going to, what's our plan for reducing waste in the backcountry or on the beaches or even in our city streets? You know, that's a great point because you know, I think that is actually something that underlines perhaps, you know, in part, a lot of those, um, the actions that you, you know, were describing from the 4th of July, you know, in that, you know, you have, for instance, you know, you get some takeout food and you got a 12 pack of beers and whatever. And like you said, you know, beers, check, food, check, you know, games check like got all the stuff heading to the beach and then you know at the end of the day you know you're like packing up your backpack and got your books in it from you know earlier in the day and well you've got these beer cans that are kind of dripping you know yeah i don't want to carry those with me these food containers that have sauce on them and they're dirty and you know and and you're like well you know look around oh i don't see anybody well all right we're out of here you know like and and so yeah i think that's a great point you know it's you know having a plan you know and knowing that when you go out and do stuff you know you might be generating some waste and you know there's not always going to be a public trash can you know right there 
next year. By doing multi-day sub-support trips on rivers where I just carry anywhere between a 60 and 90 liter bag on my board, I'm very aware of like, there's, you know, for a leave no trace ethic, you're not leaving your stuff in the backcountry, so you have to carry it with you, which means that before I even go on the river, I get rid of all the plastic waste and throw it into a trash can here. It still always goes into a landfill, but like it's amazing. It's amazing how much plastic packaging goes with those calories. And so when you reduce that to go into the backcountry, that's like the first thing that you kind of think of is like, how am I going to reduce my waste by and, and weight? basically weight. How am I going to reduce weight to go into the backcountry? So maybe maybe that's a habit we could start looking at. And I think I'm going to look at that too, like the idea of how are you going to reduce your waste as a, as a strategy on a daily basis. Well, I think, you know, I think you tapped into something um, really interesting there and sort of using the lens of, you know, a, an adventure outing you know, like adventure paddleboarding, a backcountry trip as a way to think about things in everyday life. So, you know, that experience, you know, that, that you're providing, you know, to the, to the idea, you know, is, can, can also just be used by everyday people, you know, just when they, when they go to the beach, it's like, you know, well, you know, what's the plan? And I think, you know, a really, an interesting intersection actually is in the paddle sports world. And, you know, we've been involved with a number of, you know, different events and races and things uh, throughout the years. And one of the things that we uh, have been focusing on, you know, working with events about is actually the issue of hydration and plastic water bottles and basically confronting this this responsibility that uh, many events felt to provide single-use plastic water bottles for the racers as a matter of safety, you know, and, and for me as a waterman, you know, and as someone who engages with the ocean, you know, it's just unfathomable to think that you would, you know, engage in some sort of, per, you know, endeavor you know, and not be thinking about, you know, what you're going to drink and how you're going to, you know, you know, the whole, the whole deal, you know? And, um, yeah, so I think it's, it's an interesting perspective that, you know, should be applied more in life. And it's just, I mean, plastic offers such a convenient solution to those issues of like, oh, all these racers need water. Here you are. Here's your individual water bottle. And, uh, you know, off you go. How can a person keep their sanity, essentially? How can you deal with the, the darkness of a potential environmental catastrophe or pandemic, quarantine, health crisis, whatever it might be? In, 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 in your case, everyday confronting the fact that there's uh, there's too much plastic waste in the ocean and it's killing the fish, it's killing the, the ecosystem, and yet how can you have a smile at the end of the day? What solutions are there that allows you to continue on, do it again the next day with positivity? Absolutely. And so, you know, to sort of bring it all back around to that, you know, that was sort of the, you know, you could say the foundation for starting Plastic Tides. And, you know, now where I'm at, you know, in my life and my work, uh, I've really moved, 
you know, significantly beyond that, that negative space. And I think that one of the most inspiring and um, sort of uh, uplifting things for me is the capacity for really large scale rapid change uh, in this evolving world. So, you know, through technology and social media and, um, you know, you can see it with the movement that's happening right now and the pace at which it took off, you know, it's, we're in a space now where, you know, although we face these massive challenges, we also have a world that is interconnected and ideas can, you know, spread like lightning. And, you know, so uh, as long as we're pushing in the right direction, I, you know, I have a lot of hope for the future. Earlier in the year, I went to a fundraiser for uh, a nonprofit focused on rivers, the, the Freshwater Trust, and the, the, the president of that organization was talking about something that I thought was really great because, you know, I'm focused on rivers and, you know, environmental stewardship with rivers, headwaters areas, and, you know, the, the use of pesticides and fertilizers that are going into, you know, the, the, the rivers, which eventually go into the oceans. He really was focused on the fact that there are solutions. There are these problems. We focus on the problems, but his organization really looks at the solutions, and their organization is data-based. So he employs scientists and researchers to, to, uh, to collect data, and he hires lawyers to you know, can talk with farmers so that they could be in a collaborative project. And just the idea of like people are shaking hands and and science is is revealing ways to be more efficient and use you know pesticides in certain ways and i really i really appreciated that that the idea like an environmental organization doesn't have to be these are the bad things in the world oh my but like no we're an environmental organization and these are the solutions to make a better place and uh, i think that's what you're doing as well you know, it's, uh, that's what we're trying to do, Paul, you know, and, uh, it sounds like, uh, they're doing great work and, you know, I'm really interested as well in that kind of stuff and, and watersheds and non-point source pollution. And, you know, yeah, I think it's important to, to recognize that we have solutions and that we can lean into those solutions, you know, on a lot of different fronts. And, uh, it's also a really great segue for me to introduce, uh, our global youth mentorship program, uh, which is, what what plastic tides has been focused on almost exclusively for uh the past year or so um so as you know we have been around since 2014 and we got our start you know inspiring youth uh through you know adventure uh and that's kind of what we've built our brand uh around and um in the last couple years, uh, sort of after being involved with a number of different things like events and consulting and, um, you know, hosting our own race in Bermuda and events and, you know, other places and uh, kind of being a bit scattered uh, in terms of our, you know, our directive, uh, we took a really big step back and said, you know, what are we you know, what do we do, you know, kind of like, what are we doing here, you know, and like, what have we built and, you know, what do we want to do and do well, you know, like, what's our, what's our one thing, you know, and, um, and that process led to the development of our global youth mentorship program uh, through 
you know, interactions over the years, you know, working with students who'd reached out to us, you know, around projects, you know, ranging from replacing plastic utensils in their school with sustainable alternatives to planting an orchard, you know, to uh, getting, you know, their water tested and getting new drinking fountains so that kids can be confident, you know, filling up their their water bottles, you know, in the hallway and, you know, things as simple as that, um, you know, and sort of, you know, put those experiences, uh, you know, working with students over the years together, uh, you know, into, uh, you know, the program that we're um, in the process of, uh, of expanding uh, right now. So um, we've kind of spent the last couple of years putting in the groundwork and the, the foundation, um, to, you know, provide mentorship to middle and high school students who have an interest in, you know, getting involved in sustainability, specifically through, you know, independent projects. And what we've found is that, you know, although young people have a ton of potential, uh, it can be really challenging uh, when you're that age to actually take on, you know, something and see it through to completion. And so, by pairing, you know, adults who want to, you know, commit five to 10 hours a week, you know, to giving back uh, with these students, you know, we're able to see, uh, you know, significantly amplified impact, you know, success rate um, and sort of long-term impact from these projects that are taking place in their schools or communities, you know, and are having all of those sort of resounding impacts that we've you know, discussed, you know, throughout our conversation. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're really excited about right now. And uh, with sort of the onset of COVID, it's, we've been fairly fortunate in that our organization is uh, almost entirely remotely run right now. We have a really awesome team uh, spread, you know, all over the world. Uh, and, um, you know, our program is also remotely run. So, you know, we've been continuing to onboard mentors and students. And, uh, you know, although there are, of course, some questions and things, uh, yeah, things are rolling forward. And we're, we're, we're uh, aiming to have uh, 20 mentors uh, working with 100 students by the end of this year. And so that's, that's what we're on track for right now. And uh, sort of as a call to action for your listeners, if, uh, you know, it sounds interesting to anyone or you know any students uh or adults who you think would be interested please send them our way just the the idea of inspiring habit i think is kind of what i'm getting out of this like if you're going to be a steward you just have to have your own modelable habits absolutely man you know just kind of walking the walk really and and whatever the walk is for you you know so it's uh you know my girlfriend has an instagram account the zero waste voyage you know, and that kind of speaks to the idea that, you know, it's not, I'm zero waste, you know, it's like, I'm on a voyage to being zero waste. And it's something that maybe I'll never reach because if I'm real with myself, like even when I go to a restaurant and I think that I'm using no plastic, maybe they took the crab cakes out of a plastic bag, you know, like, but I didn't see it, you know? So it's like, it's never a, you know, it's like, it's never a cut and dry thing like that you know so 
And unfortunately, a lot, of, I mean, even the, you know, the United States isn't considered third world by some, but some uh, uh, that could be argued. But a lot of the third world nations in, in Latin America, in India, you know, they have a tradition of disposing of bodies and, and, and human waste in, in, in such a way that it's kind of organic. Now they're, they're the same habits, like on the Ganges River in India, it's like, oh, you know, I have this container. I'm just going to throw it in the river, and you have this huge waste based on plastics. You know, a habit that's been informed for centuries of let the river take care of, you know, the pure river take care of the, the impurities during flood season. Now those impurities are man-made plastics. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a really great point, and, um, you know, it's something that, is like kind of a whole nother discussion, but I, it really yeah. underlies, you know, like people love to point to, you know, Southeast Asia and developing countries as, you know, almost the root of this problem. But the reality is, is that when you go to places like Indonesia, you know, up until very recently, they were wrapping everything in banana leaves and palm fronds. And yeah, you just throw it, you just throw it on the ground and it biodegrades. And when we just, you know, introduce like a wave, you know, with no education, all of these products, you know, of course, what do you expect? You know, people aren't going to change their behavior. Like there's no incentive for them to do so. There's no education, you know, there's, and furthermore, the one place that everyone looks to as an example, America is doing it right. And so that's and so that's where, like, when people say, like, oh, but we have to put, you know, the resources and the energy into, you know, fixing the problem in Southeast Asia, you know, these countries are the biggest polluters and, you know, all this stuff. It's like, well, sure, maybe they are, but maybe if everyone in the U.S. wasn't using plastic, like, those, it would just fix itself because everyone would see, you know, the example being led you know, and, and follow suit. And, you know, so it's, uh, yes, it's, it's interesting. In many ways, the, the American, the U S example has become a, a model of, of poor behavior. So I'm, I'm happy there are people like you who are, are modeling habit forming behaviors that focus on reduction of waste, lightweight impact, and, you know, the spirit of youthful adventure. So uh, I've taken up way too much of your time. Thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to, you know, continuing this conversation in the future. Likewise, Paul. Yeah, I'd uh, love to connect again yeah. in the future. So thank you so much for the, the conversation, Christian. I was educated and I hope my audience will be too. Thank you so much and have a great rest of the day. You too, Paul. Thanks a lot.